Um, do you have an update, Gurumach, or should we just ask questions? Let's take the questions. Okay, my first question is, does anybody have a question in Maruban? Not so far. Okay, no problem. We have plenty on this end. So let us start with Jaden Acharan. He asked this uh, last week, but there was no time. So he's asking, in your commentary on the first verse of the Gita, you mentioned that Krishna's heart is moved by remembering his previous encounter with the Brachabhasis at Kurukshetra. How did this influence his narration of the Bhagavad Gita? Mm-hmm. Well, that is uh, something that is uh, a emphasis in my entire commentary. And it is a reference that I cite that serves as support for the Gaudiya Vaishnav insight that the Gita, while speaking about devotion, bhakti and bhagwan in a broad sense, such that its teachings will be embraced by all Vaishnava schools, um, at a closer look, for example, here we're looking at Krishna historically, so to speak, Was he ever at Kurukshetra before? If so, what happened there? Would that then not come to his mind upon returning there again and being in a circumstance or a situation that warranted he speak about Dharma? That's why he's there at Kurukshetra. And in fact, yes, he was there previously. And the occasion was during the solar eclipse, when the inhabitants of Dwarka went to Kurukshetra to observe the eclipse, it was a huge event. They created like a, like a city there, like they create for the world, um, the Olympics or something like that. <laughs> and, um, and of course, the Brajbasis came as well. They came in their covered wagons to the gate <laughs> and... Um, one of them was claiming, I'm his mother, let me in. He said, he's the prince. He rode here on an elephant, Christian Balaram, the princes. Who are you? Country bumpkins claiming to be, you know, um, his, uh, his family members, intimates, and so on and so forth. But the word was uh, sent back that there's some, some lady here from the cow pastures, you know, Making, making a claim that she's your mother. Krishna said, let them in, let them in. Uh, just giving the spirit of it. So um, the Brajabhasis were let, let in. And of course, they met with Krishna. And ultimately, um, he, he met also with the gopis. And there is a brief but very powerful um, discourse, if you will, on Prima Dharma. So the point is that has he ever been there before? Yes. Um, would it, uh, here he is pressed to speak about Dharma to Arjuna in a broader sense, perhaps you could say. Um, but would not the impressions from his previous visit there also come to mind when they are also about Dharma and they are about the fullest expression, the fullest measure of Dharma? 
prema dharma, as, as Bhagavatam says, and this is a very essential verse of the Bhagavatam, sabaipum samparo dharma, yato bhakti rhoksaja, ahoyituki apatiyata, yayatma samprasidati, paro, paro dharma. Hmm? Um, so, higher dharma. Hmm? Uh, he, and he contrasts it there in that section of the Gita with, with the lower dharma, which he says, the Varnashram Dharma, the moral life, is more or less useless, Shrama Eva Hikabalam, if it doesn't give uh, a, if as a result of practicing it, one doesn't get a taste for uh, Hadikata. Hmm? Um, uh, so, uh, we see then in the Gita, when Krishna speaks, well, he doesn't give a, very strong emphasis therein on Varnashram, he immediately, if not, uh, well, really immediately in his beginning, uh, uh, beginning of his teaching to Arjun, brings it beyond Varnashram to, to, to the Gyanmarg and describes that you're different from the body. Varnashram pertains to the body. Um, and, and having another one, a better one, rather than a worse one, something like that. He says, well, you're not the body to begin with, right? That's the, and then, and then, he, then he goes on for quite some time, about 38 verses in this regard, and then he starts to teach how to how to attain that realization that you're not the body by, by through yoga. And the yoga he's talking about ultimately over the next uh, five chapters and the first half, four and a half chapters, I should say, is, is ultimately bhakti yoga, which then he, you know, turns to directly by speaking about himself, the object of bhakti yoga in the uh, second six chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there, in the second six chapters, which is really the center of the Gita, mm-hmm. after he tells Arjun that the be-all and end-all of knowledge, the most secret of secrets, is, is devotion to himself. fixing your mind on me, becoming my devotee, paying obeisances to me, and so forth. Then uh, that's the end of the ninth chapter. He goes into the tenth chapter. And in the tenth chapter, we find the four essential verses from the Gaudiya point of view. There he says, uh, If we look at these verses, we 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 can we can find prema dharma coming out of them. Okay. This is probably the most prominent uh, place in the Gita where we can make a case in our charges, Gaudiya charges, and commenting on the Gita and commenting on the Gita have focused on these verses. After all, the beginning of the four verses, Krishna says, Aham sarva prabhavo mata sarvam mam buddha bhava samanvita. What is he saying? He says, he said, he's saying, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. He said, I am the source of everything. All the avatars are, are included in that. And knowing this, then understanding this point, which is the key point of philosophy, uh, in, uh, uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as Jiva Goswami referred to it, kind of like the password of tattva for understanding all of the Bhagavatam is about, right? Um, the Paribhas Sutra, 
Krishna's two, Bhagavan Zoyam, Jiva Goswami wrote a whole Sundarva about this one line of one verse of the Bhagavatam. Krishna's two, Bhagavan Swayam. It's such an important verse. And Krishna is saying in the first of the four essential verses of the Gita, I am Swayam Bhagavan. I am the source of everything. And knowing this and understanding this puts one in a position to engage in the kind of bhajan. Hmm? He says, Hmm? Sri translated Raga Baba Samambuta. In other words, without knowing that Krishna is the supreme personality of God, how can you do Rag Bhakti hmm? when Rag Bhakti is about intimately associating with Bhagwan as a friend, as a lover, as 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 an elder or a parent, hmm? which is not possible in Baikuntha, hmm? where Narayan is uh, presiding. Hmm. So, the idea, as I've said a number of times, that um, if Krishna is the avatar of Narayan, hmm, then it means he appears in the world for a short period of time and plays with some people, like friends, and then that form enters back into Narayan and Vaikuntha, where that way of interacting with him is, is no longer available. Hmm. But if Krishna is the source of Narayan, then the leela that he performs and the intimacy that is seen there is something that becomes available to as, as a goal to attain. And, of course, there's a corresponding abode for that, which is not the, the broader sense of Vaikuntha, which is pervaded by Aishvarya, reverence and so forth. Hmm? Uh, because, again, that type of love is not in Vaikuntha, so where, where is it? There has to be another another place for it. Hmm? And there is another place for it if Krishna is the source of Narayan. If he's the avatar of Narayan, it's not. Hmm? So Krishna is saying, this is important. <laughs> if you understand me, the source of everything, then you can have the, the you're in a position to, to engage in the kind of practice hmm, that really uh, gets to what I'm all about. Hmm? And then he says, what? Teisham satata yuktanam bhajatam putipurvakam dami buddhiyogam tamyanamam upalantite. Those devotees who worship with this kind of rag for me, hmm, well, they, I, I help them from within. I guide them from within. Hmm? Pujapachidamarsh's explanation of the of the of the verse, uh, he takes it to a very high point. He was writing his commentary on the Gita while living in Prabhupada's uh, apartment. And Prabhupada was writing his Gita. And Sridharmar showed this commentary to Prabhupada and said, This is what I'm what comes to my mind when I read this verse. What is it? And Krishna is saying, Tesham Satatayuktanam, Bajitam Priti Pubakam. Those who constantly worship me with, with love, with pretty, hmm, with, it means with praying, hmm, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. He said, there seems to be a contradiction here. If they're left loving me with constantly with praying, how do they need, why do they need knowledge how to come to me? They must be with me. Hmm? So Sridhar said, so therefore I think what he's really saying here is that he's speaking about the gopi's love. They love him constantly with praying, but they have a problem how to get to him. Hmm? Because 
the circumstances within the brudge are prohibitive in this regard. Therefore, he gives them the knowledge. He, he, in the night, he plays his flute, shows them how to do, uh, uh, come to him in the middle of the night. And Prabhupada said, very nice, very nice, very nice understanding. He liked that very much, right? So these are, you know, a couple of examples. We'll go for the first two verses, uh, then the third verse of how Rag Bhakti is um, there in the Gita. Hmm? Come to the third verse of the four. We have what? I cited it earlier. Madjata, Madgata Prana. Their chitta is, is fixed on me. Their very life, breath is me. Madjita, Madgata Prana, Bodhayanta Parasparam. And what do they do? Amongst one another, they, 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 they talk about me. They share their feelings about me. Bodhayanta Parasparam. Katayantaschamamnityam. Always doing kata, chanting about me, chanting my name, singing about me. Hari Hari. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and they, they experience me. Tushanti, Ramanti. Tushanti means, and in this context then, as we're speaking about it, Samanda Rupa Bhakti. And, Tushanti Cha, Ramanti Cha, Ramanti Cha means Kamanuga Bhakti. Samanuga Bhakti means Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, hmm? and Kamanuga means the Gopi Bhav, right? Madhurya Rasa. These two types of Rag Bhav. So this way, um, um, the Argodia uh, insights into the far-reaching implications of Krishna's speech in the Gita take us to the Brajlila. Margin, another instance, of course, at the conclusion of the Gita, said in a very charming way, he, what, he, citing Krishna's words, Sarva Dharman Purityajja Mamekam Sharanam Braja. He says, give up the Varnashram, give up the, 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 the Karma Marg, that's Varnashram, Sarva Dharman Purityajja, and give up the, 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 the Gyan Marg. Hmm? The, the Bhagavatam, of course, comes right after the Gita. I call it the theological sequel to the Gita. And it says in its very second verse, Dharma Projita Kaitavotra, Paramonian Matsaranam Satam, the same thing. Hmm? So give up Gyan, give up uh, Karma, hmm? uh, and uh, take shelter of me alone. Sarva Dharma Prithaja, Mam Ekam Sharanam Praja. But Pujapachita Maharaj reading the verse said, the word braja here means, you know, come to me, hmm? go, come, uh, and take shelter of me. But it also, just the word by the sound, it means the brajlila, right? Hmm? On its face. So unless you understand the, the word in context, well, it could have different meanings, like any number of words have, have different meanings depending upon how they're used. In, in, in speech or composition. So he says, when Krishna said the word braja, although we know what it means in the verse, his mind nonetheless went to braj. This is the end of the Gita. His mind went to the braj. And that was it. He couldn't really continue. He mumbled a few words afterwards, like, ah, anybody who studies this 
inside out and outside and shares it with others that are very dear to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he fainted more or less. He passed out. His mind went to Brudge and he couldn't continue. So these are the very, very beautiful, charming uh, uh, insights into the far-reaching implications of Krishna's speech drawn out by the Godis. And I wanted to give support to that. Hmm? Some people may question, well, he's not saying that here. You're making that up. But I, I drew upon the history of the avatar of Krishna, the descent of Krishna. He's the avatar, but he's avatar and descending, right? And in doing so, he's at Kurukshetra. Was he ever there before? Yes, he was. Hmm? Will this place then not serve as an udipana, a stimulant, a, a catalyst for remembering really what's on his mind, what he's all about, what happened there, what he promised the gopis, how is he going to be, balance that, feelings that are arising in the most emotional section of the whole Gita, the ninth chapter, he becomes more and more emotional about his devotees as he as he as he goes forward about devotion and his devotees so much the, towards the end of the ninth chapter he says apichad sujaraturo vajate mamananibak sadurebasamantavya samyagabasitoisa don't ever you know offend my devotees even if they look like they're doing the wrong thing I love them that's what matters they love me that's what matters hmm? Very like strong, strong statements, right? He says, if they worship me with anything, a leaf, a flower, a fruit, I accept it. I'll eat the flower, even though it's not edible. I'll eat it, they offer it. So he's really like intoxicated by bhakti at at this point. Hmm? And then those verses come out at the onset of the 10th chapter. So we're making a case that Oh, his mind is, is already absorbed in devotion. What to speak of? Excuse me. And then, and, and it's going to the extreme and remembering those gopis and the people of, of, of Braj and it's kind of eking out at, at Kurukshetra. Yes, Arjun is not quite the right person to talk to it about, but it's coming out anyway. <laughs> it's coming out and there, and, and later with the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it was Krishna himself coming again. Then this can all come out and be explained to the world. So, uh, yes, yes, the fact that he was there previously, it had a wrong effect. And that, that's a very, that comment of mine there, the site, Chaitanya Charan, is central to my whole approach of the Gita, which is for making a case, or supporting, I should say, the case of our charges, that the Gita ultimately speaks about the Braj Prem, about Rag Bhakti. Hmm. Thank you for the question. What else? Beautiful. Thank you very much. Let's see. Um, okay, Sadvi has a question. What's good, Mahesh? Do you hear me? Can't hear you. Oh. Interpretation. English. Down. Now? See. Oh. <laughs> I have a question about, um, so if one doing bhakti, sadhana bhakti, and putting Krishna in the center, see this as a comprehensive solution and feels peacefulness in that, 
but at the same time has not uh, developed like strong attachment to Krishna. Is this a good uh, motivation to on the way, like to be just grateful, feel peaceful, and enjoy this peace? And is this some kind of a phase on the sadhana bhakti path? Yeah, you could say that. Um, yeah, to become settled and uh, is as is with an identity as a sadhaka, an identity as a sadhaka, at least in earlier stages, does not necessarily include deep attachment to Krishna. That will come at the last stage of sadhana. That's called asakti. Just like in the early stages of our sadhana, we will try to think about Krishna and we will find our mind going elsewhere. And then we find, oh, a form of there. We have to draw it back. So in asakti, if one is engaged in worldly things or just, let's say, mundane things that have to be done, um, whatever they may be, however minimally, um, thoughts about them will spontaneously drift towards Krishna. And, and, and you'll see those things in relation to Krishna and, and uh, be... Um, so, something like that. So the attachment to Krishna is, is a... Is a, is a um, a later stage. Meanwhile, um, yes, if we become a steady in our sadhana and we and we we identify uh, centrally as a sad, this is my life. I'm a sadhaka. This is what I do. And intellectually, we understand there are other things that I that I I do that are not directly related to this. I can try to relate them philosophically and think about them um, in, in in ways that will be conducive to my my practice, and and this gives me peace. Hmm? I feel comfort in this, that it's settled. Hmm? You can say I'm settled. I'm a sadhu. It's who I am, hmm? and, and and I can feel a great sense of. Uh, I guess you could say relief or you use the word peace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, um, well, I had an analogy, but I, it, it may be misunderstood, so I won't use it. Um, but anyway, yeah, so you can enjoy the peace, right? And develop the love. So sometimes I say it's both, right? Peace and love. So you got one peace. Now you only need love. So so you work on that. Gradually you become attached to Krishna. I give you my blessings. Hare Krishna. Jai. Krishna ki jai. Okay. Uh, the next question is from Art. This just came in. I think he had to leave, but he asks, I have a question. In chapter 28 of the Nectar of Devotion, titled Existential Ecstatic Love, it describes existential ecstatic love as moist, dried up, and burned. What are the origin of these terms? Are they something that is lost in translation? Yeah, it's lost in translation and it would be um, beyond the scope of this uh, particular setting to go into them in detail, but the source of these is Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Hmm? So, 
in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, it's, it's, it's enough to understand, uh, what is sadhana, how it works, how, it, what is its goal, bhava, briefly, what is bhava, and what is not, briefly, what is prema. Then the book goes into bhakti rasa itself, right? And all the ingredients and all the nuances and so forth. And there we have to understand what is a stai bhav, what I refer to sometimes as a self-defining emotion. And then we have to understand the uh, um, relative to any particular identity as a gopa or as a gopi, for example, what would be the corresponding Vibhavs and Anubhavs and Sanchari Bhavs. Uh, and already that's a whole lot to digest, right? And then, uh, and the Sattika Bhavs also, which uh, together give rise to uh, turn Rati into Rasa. Hmm? And then uh, the Sanskrit terms, Madhista, uh, um, what did he say? Moist, dried. Yeah, I think moist, dried up, and burnt. Yeah, yeah. I forget the Sanskrit terms for all all three, but um, it's it's further nuance on. Leave it at this for the moment. Further nuance on the ecstasies of bhakti rasa, and there's a gradation that's being described there. But again, this is. Um, um, a larger discussion that uh, probably is, is not uh, too relevant to most devotees. The things that I've mentioned themselves are enough to try to get a hold on. That said, um, everything that Prabhupada says in natural devotion has uh, is taken from Bhaktivarasamrita Sindhu because his work Nectar devotion is, is, as he described it, a summary study of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. There's another book by a gabber with my name, Dandra Maharaj, called Waves of Devotion. In that book he wrote, uh, some time ago, he tried to show what Prabhupada is saying in Nectar devotion and where it corresponds exactly with Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. It's kind of a, was written as a bridge book, so to speak, to bridge any gap that might be there between the original text, about the rest of do and the summary study that probably wrote Nectar Devotion. I haven't read um, Waves of Devotion, but I, but I imagine it would be a good, um, useful with, with regard to what it wanted to do. Hmm? And uh, of course, subsequently to the publishing of that book, the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu itself, with the commentaries of Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur and um, Jiva Goswami, have been uh, published in English. So, uh, reading Nectar Devotion, one can refer to either the original text or maybe Donald Marsh's book, Wave of Devotion, and make the uh, connection and study those points in greater detail if one's so inclined. Hope that helps. Thank you very much. Let's see. The next one is from. Let's see. Sajan. Dandavats Maharaj. Um, bef- 
for my actual satsang question, I was just a little curious if you received that photograph of the Crestone Gita Sangha that I sent to you. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Sorry, I didn't reply yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Um, so my, uh, my question for the satsang is, uh, last week there was quite a bit of, um, discussion, uh, very lovely discussion about the position of Arjuna, uh, in regard to being Ramananda Roy and, uh, perhaps, uh, the other gopi, uh, one gopi, one, uh, sakha, and like that. Um, in the Gita, in, in chapter 11, uh, when, uh, after he sees Krishna's universal form and is, um, very much affected by, by seeing that, he says, please return to your four-armed form and then your two-armed form, which is so low, which I love so much. Um, so that four-armed form that he refers to, is he remembering perhaps um, a previous kind of uh, incarnation, other than the ones that were discussed last week, of being a Nara from the Narnarayan Rishis. No, I don't think that's the reason that he asked to see the forearm form. The fact of the matter is that um, in Mathura, in Dwarka, in Hastinapur, um, also, and therefore also on Kurukshetra, Sometimes Krishna showed forearm form and sometimes a two-arm form. And so Arjun uh, was familiar with that fact. In Krishna Leela, in Krishna Leela, outside Dhaban, Krishna sometimes showed his forearm form. And that would correspond with the bhava of some you know, devotees and so forth. So it was known. It was a known thing. He may he may not have shown it to Arjun typically because it was not his relationship with Arjun, but Arjun heard about it. Other people saying he got four arms. <laughs> so he thought, <laughs> see that one on the way down here from you know from the universal form, something like that. Um, and I think it's it's a way, of course, in the language of the Gita, the way it's written, you know, to to, to um, make the point that the two armed form is more is is, is supreme. By mentioning, so if you, if you want to look at it, you know, from a literary point of view, it makes sense to include that. So, so do you mean that, like, while he was the, uh, while Krishna was the king of Dwarka, um, uh, the husband of Rukmini, um, he would uh, show his form form to people at that time. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They knew this is the Bob, especially in work. They know he's God. Okay, so um, that being, yeah, so that being, <laughs> so that that being the case, um, then that makes it a little kind of challenging when we talk about how Narayan is incapable, the forearmed form of Krishna being incapable of having loving relationships uh, such as uh, friendship or romantic. Um, association, etc. Um, it, it become, how can we harmonize that we, we are capable of having those relationships, but, but Krishna as Narayan is not. How can we harmonize that understanding? Well, Krishna and Narayan is different than Krishna and Dwarka and Mathura. 
excuse me, Krishna, yeah, Krishna in, in Vaikuntha has, has a form of Narayan. It's entirely uh, a different um, um, sacred geography. The Baba is different and so forth. There's Dasya Bhav, Dasya and, 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 and Shanta. And Narayan, if you, if you look at Krishna in Dwarka, Krishna in Mathura, he's very different from Narayan. Mm-hmm. And his, his leelas are charming. They're also very charming. They're not as charming as the brudge leelas, but they're very charming. And, um, and he sometimes shows the four arms. Sometimes he's in, in two arms. So at certain times, for whatever, whatever, maybe the reason or the cause, he, he shows, let's say, you know, he's, he's hanging out with, uh, with, uh, Rukmini and, Uddhava, and they ask him to come to the assembly. So he sits in the Sudharma, you know, assembly there, shows four arms, you know. Everybody goes, oh, God. And then he shows two arms. So, mm. uh, it's very different than, in the words, that will be secondary, but mm. it's an aspect of them. They know he's God. It's still somewhat secondary. In Brudge, they kind of don't know he's God, or they heard he's God, and people believe he's God. Maybe he is God. Okay, he's God, but it's just, it's not an issue. But it is an issue in other places, and therefore they they respond uh, accordingly with a greater measure of they they, they think that he should be served uh, uh, as as a prince, hmm? that he should be taken to Kurukshetra. As we were speaking earlier, on an elephant, you know, and trumpets should be playing, and, and you know maybe showing four arms at the at the time, something like that. Thank All you. Right. Thank you so much, Maharaj. Thank you. There's a follow-up question from uh, Ganga Shakti. She says, Pranam Guru Maharaj, if Krishna showed his four-armed form and people knew that he was God, how did the sons of Dhritarashtra ignore this or refuse to accept his peace med- mediation attempts? Good question. Well, people ignore God all the time. <laughs> it's not uncommon, right? So... We look at it in a broader sense. People even know there's no know, know there is God and believe there is God, and still they ignore Him, right? Hmm? By the power of their conditioning and so forth. And of course, some people deny the existence of God, even while others are seeing Him and knowing He is God. So, Prabhupada used to say in this regard, you kind of regarded your question that only a few people understood who He who He was. Hmm? Most people didn't understand. Maybe they thought he was a great person. I mean, we see that, you know, Sisu Paul is asking, you know, what's with this guy? You don't even know this guy's birth, you know? What's the, how can he be, as you just suggested, the first person that should be worshipped for the Rajasuya? Hmm? I mean, then he goes on with a whole litany of, you know, criticisms of Krishna. So, uh, uh, I, I think that these are in the Leela, examples of something that we readily experience in everyday life with regard to, to God in, in general. Some people believe in him, but, you know, disregard him nonetheless. <laughs> you know, yeah, with a moral lapse or, or whatever, some people disregard him altogether, even though there's abundant evidence from the devotee's point of view and good philosophy to support. Still, they they, they dismiss and, and then, of course, in the Leela, the Leela is this is a special affair. So this is going on under Krishna's internal Shakti. And even the, even the, even the, um, you know, some guys are wearing white hats, some guys are wearing black hats, but they're all actors. So even the, 
some people are the Judases of, you know, of, of Krishna Leela, but uh, they have a role to play and they're all good too. So um, I wouldn't want to have Sridharashtra's role or Sisu Paul's role, but, you know, and how someone got that, you know, I can't answer that. Nobody can, they, 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 <laughs> but um, they're there and it, they're required. They're required elements, you know, of the Leela for there to be all of the different nuances and so forth that, uh, that we uh, that are that are hu- make it uh, human like. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Um, let's see. The next question is from Krishna Sevaka. He's not here, unfortunately, today, but he asked me to ask his question. Please accept my humble obeisances, Guru Maharaj. <coughs> I have been doing what I can to focus all my spare time and attention on increasingly getting to know Krishna and his ways, as you suggested. One thought keeps popping up, though. You have you have mentioned many times the idea of engaging my senses for the pleasure of Krishna, and I'm having difficulty realizing this experience, especially when it comes to sexual relations with my wife. It seems that I'm the enjoyer of my body, my thoughts, and my emotions. Can you elaborate on this idea of offering our senses, our body, our thoughts, and emotions to Krishna for his pleasure? Yes, well, um, the um, one thing I would say to you first is that uh, bhakti is very, of course, powerful compared to jnana and yoga, which are governed by sattva-guna. Bhakti is governed by the nirguna. And therefore... It's possible to practice bhakti as a householder rather than as a celibate, which is really required in the Gyanmarg and the, uh, the yoga marg. Um, and typically, the non-celibate life or the householder life will involve children, res- responsibilities surrounding uh, their care and so forth and so on. And, um, and the householder has to have a livelihood and so forth. The teaching is that bhakti has the ability to digest um, these activities. And in a broad sense, they can be harmonized with, with, with bhakti. And in married life, in the Gita, Krishna says that, um, what is that verse? He says, um, I can't remember. Uh, he says, uh, with regard to sexual intimacy, that which is sexual intimacy, which is undertaken according to Dharma, he says, that's me. Right? I am sex life that is engaged in according to Dharma. So then, uh, as I've said before, Everyone in human society agrees that the sexual urge needs to be controlled. It's just a question of where you draw the line. Hmm? So while people are upset with where uh, uh, someone like myself might might draw the line or Prabhupada might, might draw the line, um, others are upset where they draw the line. Hmm? And... Um, but the overarching principle is that everybody seems to accept that, well, this needs to be somehow regulated. I mean, you, um, so, or controlled or limited. 
right? So it depends on your worldview, how you're going to limit it. Prabhupada um, uh, wanted to con- uh, encourage the, the mastery, the control of this, uh, the harnessing, let's say, of this of this uh, impulse, which is so central to when we come out of it, humanly speaking, how to harness that. I mean, this is what yoga is about, how to harness our human humanness, right? And this is very, very, very central to that. So his uh, idea was that uh, harness it through through marriage, or we could extend that today, given the circumstances and insights that have come out, you know, 50 years, in the 50 years of Prabhupada's absence, uh, to, to, you know, a committed uh, relationship. Uh, I mean, everybody, every mother and father wants their, their children to have a committed relationship, ideally. They would like that. How they go about it, how they arrive at it, you know, it could be you get the astrological, you know, what do you call it, you know, charts and match them up like that, or maybe it's trial and error, you know, it seems to be with the modern system. But um, if it works, you know, great. So, uh, but anyway, what Prabhupada, uh, so to, to, uh, in, in connection with that, Prabhupada started by overseeing marriages. Prabhupada performed the marriages. But after a while, <laughs> they weren't working out and they weren't able to, you know, keep the bond based on, you know, that in consideration of what, what, what was thought to have made them compatible. Just to, in this case, it was just the teachings itself, you know, hook up with somebody, got the same teachings and, you know, go with it. Uh, so, uh, then Prabhupada dropped out. He wasn't. He wouldn't get involved anymore. He, he didn't want to be involved in that. Hmm? He told him they should they should marry or whatever, but he didn't want to get involved. So um, um, just as an aside there, but um, but anyway, his idea was that with regard to a committed relationship, then um, you know, I mean, this is a way of harnessing. I will have sexual intimacy with this person. And and uh, in, in 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 doing so, the two of us will also agree to supporting one another and sacrificing in ways that relationships require, so that we can go together in strength, hand in hand, with strength, um, uh, in pursuit of spiritual life. Because this is a huge again, this is a huge affair, right? The, the sexual urge out of which we you know we, we come. Uh, in human society, so uh, you, you you bond with another, you stay with him or her, as may be the case, and then you share sexual intimacy only in that setting. And probably probably had two standards. One was only for procreation, um, which would limit it further and bring further consequences. Which might make you think maybe I don't want to do that again. <laughs> Taking care of these kids is, is a lot, you know. And it costs a lot of money and a lot of time. So, um, uh, or in the in in, in a lesser standard, and Prabhupada stated this several times, and, and even individually spoke with devotees who asked him about it, and um, and suggested to them that they follow this standard only in a committed relationship. Hmm? I thought at one time that well, because Sex life in between heterosexuals, which has the prospect of procreation, hmm, um, 
which in turn diffuses often to some extent one's a sexual urge. People often, you know, the kids become more important to them. Uh, that it often happens. Um, and it's, it's a greater responsibility to, of course, more money. And so, so if you're only going to do it for that purpose, well, you know, then you might not want to have sexual intimacy that often. Hmm? Something like that. So I have thought, well, if, a, if I have gay couples that are married, I should, I should tax them a little, so find a way to tax them and make some burden on that, you know. So, uh, but anyway, uh, I haven't gotten into it. Uh, too much, too much. But the point I'm making is the Gita. Krishna says that sex life that is engaged in according to religious principles. What is the verse from Gita? Um, I am that. Anyway, kamos me, kamos me, Bharatarshipa, kamos me. That was kama. I am that kama that is engaged in according that, that is dharmic. Hmm? Now you know what is dharmic. Is 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 not simply you go read the Manusamhita and what it says there. What is dharmic for Vaishnavas? What is dharmic according to the time and the circumstances? What is the principle behind it that you're trying to accomplish uh, by any moral um, rules that are put in place? That is all uh, something that's that's, that's dynamic. Hmm? It's not set in stone. Hmm? Um, that there is a good and that there is a bad. That's true. What it is, well. It, that depends upon many things, you know. Killing is bad. What if we did it by accident? Well, that's another thing. Hmm? How do we think about that then? You know. So, just to give you a crude example. So, um, so sexual intimacy within a committed relationship or a marriage is um, then uh, something that Krishna says that he he can be identified with. So um, that's a powerful uh, statement. <laughs> um, but um, aside from that, when I, to your question further, when you when I say that that we, we should make Krishna the object of our uh, sensual engagement, so when we engage our senses, instead of engaging them for their own pleasure, we should engage for the pleasure of Krishna. So, um, you know, we were talking the other day about um, Das Pandit. He was living very simply himself, his own dress, but he was, uh, for example, but he was very uh, Expensively, at least in his mind, decorating Krishna, his Gornatai, his deities. Hmm? So the propensity to, 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 let's say, to go shopping and and dress oneself up, well, you can you can uh, take that propensity and pursue it with a mind to dress and decorate Krishna, right? Hmm? So. The practical way in which we can use our senses for the satisfaction of Krishna depends largely on where we are in our spiritual progress. So a more advanced Madhyamadikari may, should be able to have Krishna on his or her mind and heart hmm, in such a way 
that um, um, that that he or she can engage the those things that come in touch with his or her senses and think of offering them to Krishna. Mm-hmm. Offering. Like it is said, the Kanishtadakari will offer the food with prayers and so forth, and the Madhyamadakari will offer in the mind. And the Uttamadakari will think, thank you, Krishna, for the prasadam. He's hungry. He sees a mango. He thinks Krishna has given me a mango. Thank you. That is his prasadam. That is his mercy. So the Kanisha says, hey, you didn't offer that. So, <laughs> yeah, well, there's different, different levels of uh, faith and experience and so forth. So that said, um, for most devotees who are Kanishtas, neophytes, beginners, you know, maybe Uttam Kanishtas, something like that, Muddim Kanishas, having the deity is highly recommended. Hmm? Because the deity has now become a guest in your house, hmm? and you want to share everything with the, with, with the deity. Uh, and, and so many of your sensual uh, proclivities can be, you can go shopping for Krishna, you can cook for him nicely, so tasting, you can sing songs about him, or play songs at least. <laughs> on your recorder, uh, background for him, uh, rather than, you know, uh, maybe the mundane genre of songs that your senses, your sense of hearing is attuned to. So the deity is a very uh, practical uh, way to accomplish what I'm talking about, which is that you use your senses for the pleasure of Krishna's senses, Right? Because see, there he is, and he's sensual, and he can accept all kinds. That doesn't mean you're going to have intimacy uh, with the deity like you might your wife. So there's a difference there, right? Mm-hmm. So when Krishna says it's dharmic, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's prema dharma <laughs> to have intimacy with your wife or your, or your partner, mm-hmm. or that it's paraki or something like that. No, no, no. But it's like okay. It, it, it's it's a, it's a way of harnessing something that um, makes it not immoral hmm, from the from the Gaudiya standard, and therefore it's not uh, unfavorable. It's not going to it's not it's not going to get in the way of your bhakti, hmm. and um, with everything else that you do, then gradually you know you're going to lose the appetite for that anyway. Both of you will. Um, probably, but it's just not all that it's, you know, made out to be in human society these days. So those are my thoughts on that. I hope that helps. Thank you. Uh, next question is from Krishna Karnam. He says, um, in his book, Sri Raya Ramananda Sambad, Shilap Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj, commenting on the verse from the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, in which Krishna admits his inability to reciprocate the gopis' love, writes. Which can which 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 which, which verse? Which uh, it's the um, it, it, there's a quote underneath. Let me read it. The quality that makes oh, I'm sorry. It's the 
I forget how the verse goes. It's not quoted here, but it's the Krishna says something about he can't reciprocate their love. Okay, from the from the from the from the Ras uh, Jai. Yeah, yeah. So then Shilanaramach writes. The quality that makes this Kantaprem the most excellent is that only in this Ras has Krishna allowed himself to fall into debt. End quote. So then Krishna Karma says, my question is, what causes, uh, what, what's the cause that only in Kantaras Krishna is unable to full, fully reciprocate the devotee's love and therefore he falls into debt, unlike in the relationships with devotees in Dasya, Vatsalya or Sakya Ras? Is it because the Madhurya Ras is the most complete of all other Rasas and therefore the Prem of such devotees manifests itself in the most complete way? Or is it that in this Ras, devotees' love for Krishna is the most selfless? Your servant, Krishna Karnam Das. Yeah, I don't think that uh, that analysis of the verse is um, accurate in terms of the of the philosophy it may be a feeling um, that is is valid to express on the part of a Madhurya, a Madhurya Rasa uh, Upasaka. Um, um, and I say that because, for example, in the 14th chapter of the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam, which is Brahma's prayers, which we were talking a little bit about how Sakiras has a role to play in the dissemination of Gopi Bhav in the world, and how it has a role to play in 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 the attainment of, uh, in relation to those who have attained Gopi Bhav. It's very beautiful in this regard, um, and this brings to light another point that that Sakiras is very instrumental in establishing Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Which is the central, again, the, the, the key philosophical building block on which the tattva, the philosophy of Gaudiya Vaishnava is, is built, because it is Brahma speaking out of budding Sakya Bhav, his prayers at the end of the 14th, in the, in the 14th chapter, at the end of the Brahma Vimohan Leela, and the central philosophical point that he's making there is Krishna's two Bhagavan Swain, because he just witnessed it, right? Hmm. So it's just interesting as an aside that Sakharas has played such a significant role. I mean, it's said in the Bhagavatam, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam in one line and you could miss it. But here is like a whole Leela that covers three chapters, the last of which is like 30 some odd verses of Brahma all about Gaudiya Tattva. Hmm. And the central point that he makes there, again, is Krishna's the source of, of Narayan. You know, he directly makes the point. Hmm. So in the context of the Leela narrative, this point comes out. And therein, also, my point is, relative to the question, that Brahma says that Krishna is unable to repay any of the Brajbasis. Hmm? He very clearly makes it. He can't repay any of the Brajbasis. You know? I mean, he gave himself to Putana, he says. And she did nothing. You know, She, she, she tried to kill him. You know? So what, what is he going to give these people? Hmm? Because he gave himself already to Putana, in that he gave her some form of, form of Vatsalya, right? What's he going to give to these people who love him in, in his way? And here he really, his focus here is really 
his experience is only within Sambandhanuga and that of Vatsalya and Sakya that are central to the Brahma Mimohan Lila. Hmm? Gopi Bhav hasn't even manifested yet in the Prakat Lila at that point. And he's saying this. And of course, the gopis by extension would be included because he's talking about all the people of Braj. Hmm? Later in the, in the Kaliya Lila also, there's a statement made that's very similar to the statement that Reimers has quoted from the, um, Ras Panchajai, hmm? five chapters of the Bhagavatam about the, the Rasa Lila. And I forget the Sanskrit, you know, but I've, I've noted it. I think I must have made a footnote about it in my rendering of that Leela in Circle of, of, of Friends, a similar statement that uh, Krishna's you know, inability to repay. Um, um, so uh, I think that it's, a, it's fair enough to have that feeling and make that case. But you cannot say that one devotee is more selfless than another. Hmm? No. One pure devotee is more selfless. They're all completely, in, in the breath, let's say the breath, they're all completely selfless um, and um, Christian desires to accept service from one or another in another way um, then that's his choice and each one still feels that their their love is, is the best even if you can make an argument that the other one is best and you know Gaudi Vaishnavism makes an argument for the for the um, intimacy afforded in Madhuri Rasa to be the highest, and you know it's a good, it's it's a good, it's a good, the greatest, it's a good, it's a good argument. Um, but um, yeah, I don't think that 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 you can say that outside of just a, you know having that feeling for your own sentiment, and or or in, in an attempt to make a case for the superiority of the sentiment. That, you have, or the central sentiment in this case of Gaudi Vaishnavism, those kind of statements would be made, but, and I don't object to them, but I don't think that you can um, come to that kind of conclusion that some devotees are less, you know, less self-sacrificing and, and so on. Does that help? Yes. Um... So, how we should understand the statement of Narayan Maharaj that uh, Madhurya or Kanta Rasa is so exceptional because Krishna allows himself to fall in depth? How we should understand his statement? Well, I think that, like I said, he added his own uh, uh, attachment to that Bob. He's making a statement uh, that... Um, this is why this is the best. And anyone in any bhav can make statements like why it's the best and give a logic, but that logic is coming out of bhava, not necessarily out of tattva. That doesn't make it wrong. Hmm? I mean, you could be in Saki Bhav and you could make a case that the Saki Bhav is better than Gopi Bhav, and this is why. See this, Gopis say this. Gopis say, oh, when Christian Balaram and his friends are entering into Matura or into Bobadan, Playing their flutes and singing with the cows. This is the perfection of the eyes. And, and there's a verse like this in the Bhagavatam. Someone can make you say, here, Saki Bhagavatam can say, see, see, Gopis just say, this is the best thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, out of Bhav, one can make a case for, uh, one's own Bhav being, being the best. That's not wrong. That's Bhav. That may not be Tattva though. Mm-hmm. That may be, that, that's the way I would, 
think of it. Now, you know, I think it's it may be argued, well, you know, um, 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 that Krishna could not repay the gopis, right, for their service. Um, because they gave up everything. They gave up everything there is in the context of the Leela. But to get to the Leela, everybody had to give up everything. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> everybody had to give up everything to get anywhere in the Leela. Now in the context of the Leela, well, the gopis had to do things that others didn't have to do. Hmm? In other words, they had to give up their husbands. They had to uh, bring the danger uh, to themselves of being called a dharmic and, uh, and, and so on and so forth. So you can look at that as a greater sacrifice. They gave their bodies to Krishna, you know, Kantabhav. He says Kantabhav. Kantabhav means not Manjaribhav. <laughs> so he, he's not even saying Manjaribhav. Of course, Manjaribhav wants to, wants to serve Kantabhav, but, you know, everybody in Braj really wants Krishna and Radha to, 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 um, be together. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Krishna's, uh, yeah. Krishna said he could not repay them for what they did. But what he's talking about, again, is what they did in the context of the Leela. Hmm? But again, to get there, everybody had to do that. <laughs> so so you, you, know, you have to look at it in that way. You know, it's a story. And it's a good one, and it's and and so forth. Um, and then you've got, um, you know, everyone in the Leela, or the, let's say the friends of Krishna in the Leela, wanted to help him repay the debt to the gopis. All good. But again, selflessness on the gopis to attain gopi bhav is not any greater than selflessness to attain any other bhav. You, you can see that. I mean, it just it, it's, it's it's a different it's a different feeling. It's a different sentiment. The one what uh, what what you have to do to culture it is the same. All right. What else? I guess we're out of time. Nice yeah. question. Um, I want to read one thing for you before you go. This is from Gayatri. She says, Guru Maharaj, my obeisance is, Narottamananda Prabhu sends his regards from Dallas. He said you gave him shelter at age 17 when he was new on the Bhakti path. He was in your Sankirtan party and is very grateful for that time with you. Just passing on the love. Narottamananda Das. Vijay. He's a disciple of? Um... Brain freeze. Um, Mal Krishna Maharaj. Mal Krishna Maharaj. Yes. That that Narutam, Narutamananda. Narutamananda. Yes. Are you, are you in Dallas? He's in Dallas. Yeah. Apparently, he came here just when they bought this property and has been here the whole time. You're in Dallas now. Yes. Okay. Well, good. Nice to see you too. Nice to see you, Guru Maharaj. All right, I hope to be with all of you uh, next week. Uh, relating to this uh, Narottamananda 
story or th- this person, I have started to collect, I'm, I'm getting ready to start interviewing people for Guru Maharaj's biography. And so if people like Nartamananda or especially Prabhupada disciples who've been in contact with Guru Maharaj in his earlier days or in his time when, uh, with Shira Maharaj, send them my way if, if they tell good stories or have some really interesting encounters with Guru Maharaj. I, I, I want to collect as much as I can at this point. So please, please help me out with this one.